Rank and File, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Not good, Ryan. <laughs> How's your week going? Not great, Bob. Yeah, it's... So, uh, this is, what, week, I want to say, four-ish of the quarantine? Um, and folks, I am I am beginning to feel it. Yeah, um, it's, it's a weird time to be alive, and, uh... But I'm glad to be doing this. There was like about 30 minutes before I got on the call where I was like, I'm not going to do it. My brain's too bad. I just need to go to bed and do a hard reboot. And then I played the balm of Gilead that it is, Animal Crossing. And then I'm like, let's do this. You know what? I love that, especially uh, with living that horror lifestyle, I love how many of the people we know in the horror scene who, like, are deeply wholesome and just want to play Animal Crossing, aside from watching the horrible things that we watch. And also, the amount of ghouls who are playing Animal Crossing and recreating scenes from horror movies in their (laughs) houses, or, um, like, Trevor Henderson, Slimy Swamp Ghost, on Mm -hmm. Twitter is adding his own, like, monsters in the background of screenshots. Holy shit. Honestly, this is what we're doing in quarantine, I think, is, like, Um, I'm going to recreate the Overlook Hotel in Animal Crossing. Brit from um, Spooky Video Mm -hmm. from Instagram uh, digitized the cat painting from Halsu, so now my house has a poster of Halsu above the bed. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, uh, Mike from Virtual Pros gave me a jumpsuit, and I also bought a welding mask, so I'm, like, halfway to being a... And, you know, an axe <laughs> is one of the regular tools, so I'm halfway to a Friday the 13th, The New Blood. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it was either that or, like, My Bloody Valentine with, yeah, the, the pickaxe guy. Honestly, I don't have a Switch. What I've been doing is playing either Littlewood, which is, like... If Stardew Valley was um, the the makers of it looking at uh, Harvest Moon and going like, yeah, I bet we could go more wholesome. Littlewood is that, but somehow more wholesome, but also like, it's kind of post-apocalyptic, your character has amnesia, but what it is, I think, is that we're trying to cultivate these um, spaces that we have control over and that we can make nice and that we're not worried about um, being um, infected by uh, COVID-19. Yeah, and I think, like, a far better video game podcast uh, put it as, um, it's, it's like, chores the video game, but you can control every <laughs> single aspect. Yeah. So, like, I, I cannot bring myself to wash my own dishes anymore. Like, right. I'm just living in, in filth. But uh, I will definitely pick weeds on uh, Animal Crossing all day because I can sell them for money. <laughs> See, this is... All right, do you know what the, the 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 shape of my madness in quarantine has taken? I'm learning... I learned how to play Any Major Dude Will Tell You by Steely Dan uh, because... <laughs> now, here's, here's, here's a shameful thing. Um, I, I really like Steely Dan. I think it's good, and I think... Donald Fagan is my friend, and he's strong, and he's Geodude. But, like, it's... My, my friend Julian um, Julian Stewart uh, uh, on, on Twitter um, is... Uh, we're doing, like, a music... We're, we're doing a music project. We're, we're, we're um, doing stuff together. And the problem is that, like, one day they were like, Hey, 
Do you like Steely Dan? And I was like, I've been in quarantine for four weeks. Yes, I like Steely Dan. And so long story short, I've learned how to play it on guitar. Um, now, I, I uh, got a guitar for the first time after, like, I think this is the first car- guitar that I've had since, like, 2013. Um, and I'm learning, like, I'm, I, I was rusty as hell, and I've been, like, building my calluses back up. The side of my, my fret hand index finger looks like hamburger. Um, because I'm in quarantine and I'm kind of like, you know what? I never learned how to do chicken picking, which is where you, it's like a combination of using a pick and your fingers on, on your pick in hand. Um, and I'm like, what if I learn how to play Chet Atkins? And so far it's very, I'm, I'm not, I can't really do it that well yet, but I'm, yeah. So this is, this is my, my, the thing I'm doing to better myself in quarantine. So speaking of Chet Atkins, have you heard the new, um, Orville Peck single. Yes, I have heard the new Orville Peck single. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's the combination of gay and cowboy that I think we all deserve. Yes, we all want. And, like, I choose to believe that it's sincere because it's very easy to say, like, okay, this is all just a joke. He can't mm-hmm. be bothered. It's like, lol, this is a thing. But I choose to yeah. believe that it's, like, a sincere expression of art i think it is too also i've realized that uh, so i was going to do the 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 customary what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week i feel that that question no longer has any meaning because (laughs) like what you know what i'm doing i'm sleeping in my shoes and staying up until three in the morning and trying to do things um I've started rewatching uh, Beverly Hills 90210, or not rewatching, watching for the first time. Um, I've lost control of my life. Everything right now is ghoul shit because uh, the world is falling apart. So, before we move on to our first movie, I need to tell you about Zipper the Rabbit. Oh, please. So, in Animal Crossing, there is a holiday event for Easter. They cannot mm-hmm. call it Easter because it is an international release and right. it is a. Uh, non-denominational release so it's called bunny day april 12th the same day as christian easter is bunny day in animal crossing it's fertility day and a zooted up rabbit named zipper is running around my island screaming at me about (laughs) bunny day and i've replaced all of the fruit in your fruit trees with sky eggs and all of the fish have been replaced with water eggs, and all of the precious minerals that you need to survive with earth eggs, and now you must craft <laughs> a cot... I made... I'm, I am able to in-game make a giant egg suit where my body is the egg and my hat <sighs> is the cracked open shell top. Quincy, you're in danger because this is the Wicker Man. They, the it body is, is going the... to fucking put you in a Wicker Man. And they're gonna, their crops are gonna be good next year. Also, um, because I have lost all sense of time, mm-hmm. I've only been playing Animal Crossing in the wee hours of the morning, and nothing is more bracing as than having a game that tracks the actual uh, sun cycle of my time zone <laughs> and seeing in the dead of night a insane rabbit crest the hill and run towards me <laughs> to tell me about Bunny Day. You know what? That that feels totally right, I think, for, for early April of, of 2020, is a rabbit who is super into non-denominational International Fertility Day. 
um, just rolling up on you to fucking yell at you about it. So I actually stopped myself from watching Faces, F-A-C-E-Z, of death, like, 16 <laughs> the other day. Because what? it was on archive.org, and I was like, oh, sweet, I've never watched one of these later 90s Faces of Deaths. And then I started reading the description of, uh, includes real scenes of war crimes and mass shootings and police standoffs. I was like, no, I don't need to watch this. And oh, I closed man. the window and watched Midori instead. See, this is, all right, so before Midori, um, I like to take bubble baths now because I'm old and my bones hurt all the time. Um, and also we've got all these, we've got just a shitload of Lush products from before the quarantine that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to work my way through these fucking bath bombs. Um, I, the thing that I watch, or have been watching lately while taking a bath, are you familiar with the guinea pig series from Japan? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, so the guinea pig movies are basically, it's like Faces of Death, but sort of scare like worse somehow where it's very sort of um it's like found it's meant to be sort of a found footage thing but it was um sort of made by this uh, manga artist named uh, Hideshi Hideshi Hino um and there's a fuckload of these uh, guinea pig movies um the one that i just watched was a uh, guinea pig 2 flower of flesh and blood ah, um, yes yeah yeah that 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 old chestnut um we should i i want to say that we should do the guinea pig movies at some point on the podcast, but I'm also like, look, we have to draw the line somewhere. There has to no, be. No, a... I also agree, but yeah. it, we just have to like take a minute. Okay, so here's can what... we talk about how Hideshi Hino comics are prohibitively expensive now? They're so expensive. I was wanting to get some some of the the Hino manga, and it's just like I found it on eBay for like two hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, so I was looking up uh, Suihiro Maruo, who's the writer of Midori, the first movie we were talking about, mm-hmm. and um, he did the comic that it's based off of. And he's also a writer where uh, Mr. Arashi's Freak Show, the book that this movie is uh, based off of, is right. like in the two three hundred dollar range right now. That's not a bad deal. Yes, it is. No, it's a terrible deal. If you if, like, if I bought that, I feel like both Sarah and Christina, it would be like Ryan. Please, we need that money for rent, and I'm like, but gory manga, and then it's you know, it's like a, it's like a sitcom. This is the closest to like Kevin James that we as ghouls could ever get, <laughs> and we need to we need to draw the line somewhere. Um, so Midori, holy shit! So this movie is upsetting. Uh, it's from yeah, ni- um, it's from 1992. It is a movie that is solely about the rape and abuse of a young child. Yeah, and it's basically... So the idea of it is that it starts out with um, a, uh, a kid who gets orphaned because um, her mom is sick and her dad skips town, and so she gets sort of um, press gang... Like, dragooned into uh, a troop of circus freaks... And basically what you, like, the, now, the, the the version of this that I saw was about 45 minutes, and I would say about the first 20 minutes of it is just nonstop rape and abuse. Yeah, it's it's just being as awful as possible. Yeah, and, and like, licking and, eyeballs. The eyeball uh, licking yeah, was upsetting. Yeah, that is the hero, uh, Maru's, like, thing, 
uh, he's best known for his art of licking eyeballs. And what is this thing? Where... What is it? What is with the eyeballs? Why? So this is part of an art movement called Eroguro in Japan, mm-hmm. which is a portmanteau of like eroticized grotesqueness. So it's it's just being as gross as you can possibly be. Yeah. Well, and and the idea with it especially is that it. Um... So there's a lot of gore in, in 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 the regard that like the there's a scene in now is there a plot to Midori strictly speaking the plot is that this girl is taken into this freak show the freaks abuse her and like it's partially a hazing thing and partially just mm-hmm. they're awful people right and then this magician hypnotist joins the freak show and like becomes her savior which is also creepy and upsetting right and then uh the magician starts killing the freaks because they're messing with uh midori who becomes his child bride and then she finally gets to leave the circus and like have a normal life with this magician and a random robber murders him, and she's just left to be in the freak show for the rest of her life. Yeah. Now, and sorry. So, um, as you as you might uh, imagine, it is a hard watch. Um, it's based on so the the guy who did it, um, who who directed it rather. Um, he was the guy who animated everything, right? Yes. So Hiroshi Hirata directed it and hand drew the entire film so that's why a lot of it is just still panels because he also hand uh, photographed the cells on camera so there's a lot of paintings with just the camera panning and then there's also sequences of traditional animation with voice acting over it but a lot of it is just still imagery and upsetting um it's it's okay how much of the movie is dream and hallucination i would say the entire thing is a hallucination after um consuming an entire thing of robitussin and reading um horrifying pornography and then imagining whatever this is for 45 minutes the 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 format of the thing um it's again a lot of it is not traditional animation it's sort of like um so it's based on a movement from uh post um world war ii um, and also in the like the 30s in, in Japan called Kamishibai. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Um, but Kamishibai, uh, the idea is that there would be a guy who was you know would do a, a story by standing on the street corner and basically doing a sort of IRL PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, they had these little boxes with um, paintings, and mm-hmm. he would tell the story and like advance the painting to the next one. And they yeah. were really popular um there's kind of like a a form of comics for mass reading um and also uh midori is like a stock character in those stories of like poor little orphan girl where everything awful happens to her right and it's so it's (sighs) irredeemable to me but also it's uh, i can't i can't believe i'm gonna say this the gore is really cool like yeah. the 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 way now the way that Harada does the the gore and sort of um there's a all right so so uh, right out of the gate there's a lady who curb stomps a puppy um on on screen and it's just like 
it liquefies this little guy's insides immediately, and it is fucking... I, it made me... Like, I'm... I like to think to myself that I'm, like, pretty... Like, I'm a, I'm a cool guy who's seen a lot of horror movies. I actually blurted, oh, what the fuck? Like, when she just stomps this puppy and guts come out of his eyes and... Um, and does it strictly because it's Midori's pet, and then um, she serves it to everyone for dinner? Yeah, and Midori, um, I don't know, like, it's sort of... It's hard to watch somebody go through that much suffering for 45 minutes. I feel like I aged a decade after watching Midori. Yeah, yeah. It's just her screaming and crying. Yeah. Now, the thing that I'm interested to know what you think is, is why did Harada make this? So, also, this movie uh, is not complete. The version that we've seen is a reconstruction because a lot of the original negatives were seized and burned upon authorities viewing them. You know what? I kind of can't blame them. <laughs> like if I am, you know, I'm 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 Joe Q censor. If I see Midori and like half the shit that happens in this thing, immediately it's like no, no, no. The world will be a better place if I fucking destroy this. It's like it's like the soul edge, you know? Like, this can only corrupt the human spirit. This can only bring suffering. Also, Harada, um, he insisted on a lot of times showing it in part of a freak show. Yeah, he would do this thing. Now, and, and this is, uh, so I fell down a, uh, a Midori hole, um, which is the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, apparently, and I love, by the way, I love gimmick presentation for horror movies, right? Like, back in the day um, in the United States, like, if there was a slasher movie, they would do, like, a sort of, um, like, Bay of Blood, um, when it was in uh, sort of limited release theaters, there would be a booth right in front of the door that was, like, a last chance booth where, you know, it's somebody behind the counter going, like, this movie has been known to cause hysteria and death. You will choke on your popcorn and die. Leave now before you have the chance. Um... And basically, uh, the way that Hiroshi Hirata was like, um, he didn't want anybody showing up to the event to know what the thing was that they were going to be experiencing, because to him, like, the element of surprise and, and the not knowing what is going to happen was sort of the point of the thing. And so he would show this, but also there were, like, live performers who would, like, upset the, the, the audience. There was music. It was sort of just, like, an all-purpose, like... It sounds like being invited to your shitty friend's improv show, but way worse. <laughs> like, it's just, we're all going to be on yeah, stage yelling you at you. get this uh, really masterfully animated movie. I mean, if you consider yeah. that a single person made this entire thing, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, now we've, we've described basically the aristocrats joke, but for 45 minutes, I really cannot overstate how good the art is for Midori. Like, it is genuinely, like, staggeringly, like, the, the, the illustrations are sort of horribly good. Like, they, they are upsettingly good. Yeah, it's trying to be as grotesque as possible. But another thing I, I really think it is important to talk about mm -hmm. is that it's set in a post-war Japan. And some of the circus freaks are a guy who's wearing a Japanese military uniform mm -hmm. and his face is bandaged and he's a double amputee. So he does all this contortion with his feet. Yeah. And so this is very, I don't know, like, I, I think it's, 
you can't totally divorce this from the trauma of post-war Japan. Like, yeah. a, a lot of it is, like, steeped in a country not knowing what to do with, you know, the horrors that can be visited upon the human body. And, and again, it's these uh, people that are dressed in, you know, the, the snake woman is dressed in this traditional like Japanese countryside clothing mm -hmm. and then next to her is the uh torch blower who is a trans woman and that is also a really weird shocking for the sake of shocking moment where well, yeah this abuser to Midori uh is like killing her puppies and eating her and then pulls down their pants and pees and then it's like ha, While standing ha I have up. a penis. And then you get this like scene of like they're like sort of like the surrealist what if a dick could be like a fire hose sort of like wrapping everything up and being upsetting. Yeah. Um yeah. Now the thing is that on on so on this podcast we've done stuff um that's kind of rough, right? Like we've done cannibal holocaust, we've, you know, I I have a horrible place in my heart for like movies that the entire purpose of it seems to be to push the envelope as far as it possibly can right now my question is do you believe that this movie is pushing the envelope for any socially important reason so like no you could say <laughs> that cannibal holocaust is gross just to be gross. Mm -hmm. Or you could also say it is a criticism of Europeans in uh, South America. Oh, it definitely because is. Those, that film crew kind of deserves to die in that movie. Agree. I mean, yeah, and I think Cannibal Holocaust, you know, even, you know, that that's completely in the mix where it's this crew, uh, you know, it's like, you know who the real monsters are? Because, like, you know, they go to the Amazon, like the Green Inferno, and you think that they're, you know... Uh, it's just going to be, you know, this weird racist thing. It's like, sure, there is the weird racist thing of a tribe of people uh, being in a horror movie as, you know, an antagonist because they're, they're, you know, sort of scary for the purposes of being boogeymen. But Cannibal Holocaust was doing something to point out, like, the exploitation of indigenous populations by documentary crews. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's upsetting in a way that doesn't feel gleeful. Am I, like... Am I, does that make sense? Yeah, and like similarly, Faces of Death kind of has a really interesting thing where the most grotesque parts of Faces of Death mm -hmm. are the um, meat industry and yeah. fishing and these things that it's kind of saying like these are things that used to be commonplace in our society and now they're taboo. And well, it's and like I we have this this you know prepackaged society where you don't kill your chickens so now we're going to show chickens and hogs slaughtered and oh isn't it gross except that that's something that your grandparents lived with every day right well and also because it's you know for the purposes of faces of death that that that's extremely like this is a level of brutality that we've all kind of made peace with because it's part of everyday life because we don't have to see it really and so yeah. if you know if i'm eating a burger i um, I like to believe that it just sort of sprouted off a burger hedge somewhere, and it, you know, was never part of a thinking, living being. And so, yeah, that is doing something. Now, with Midori, I kind of feel like it's... Now, and, and this might be my ignorance as a, a white American, 
because you know I didn't experience obviously the 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 generational trauma of living in Japan post World War II. Maybe this is doing something along those lines that I'm not totally picking up on. There's a gleefulness to what we're seeing in Midori that makes me go, nah, this is completely without merit. This is uh, uh, unforgivable. So one thing that I do appreciate is that a lot of the sexual violence in this movie is not erotic. No, it's upsetting. And, like, it's meant to be upsetting. Yeah, so I don't... I'm really at a loss for what to do with that. So yeah. on one hand, I'm like, well, thank goodness it's not, like, supposed to make me, you know, titillated. And also, yeah. it's played with this really interesting pathos that this this little person, this um, person with dwarfism, marries Midori, and they become, like, each other's respite because they're both, you know, outcasts. Yeah. And it, it's it's almost like this really happy union, but it's also left with this thought of, like, it's an unhealthy relationship, and mm-hmm. this magician is murdering everyone else in the circus for looking at Midori wrong. Right. Now, there there is a scene in this, I think he makes people hallucinate that they are getting sort of pureed. Yes. He is a hypnotist, so in addition to allowing his now wife Midori to spend one last pleasant dinner with her family, mm-hmm. he also makes the entire crowd believe that they are mutating into horrible piles of meat. Now, that montage is my favorite part of this movie. Like, I... I, Body horror is very specifically my shit. Like, watching what uh, Hiroshi Hirata does to the human body during this um, hallucinatory montage, if, you know, if no other part of this movie is sort of palatable or watchable, I think this is the part that I would recommend to people. And it is on YouTube. I'm not going to give the name because there are some very unkind uh, names that people have used to describe this little person uh, making everyone think that they're melting. Yeah. But um, if you look up Midori Freakout, you probably will find this. Clip. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, yeah, so I think now, there if is... if you want to watch the whole thing, it is on archive.org. It is. If you if you just look up, like, you know, I, I just literally Googled Watch Midori 1992, and it, there it was. Um, but yeah, I, I this movie is not totally without merit, but it's one of those things that now that I've seen it, I kind of never want to watch it again. Now... Is this movie better or worse than Necromantic 1 and 2? Okay, so Necromantic 1 and 2, both being movies that were just like necrophilia the movie. Um, oof, okay. Uh, Quincy, Friday Night Test, you got a Tombstone Pizza and a two liter of mug root beer. Are you watching Necromantic or are you watching Midori? I'm watching Midori. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. There At least because a, there is a tone to this film that so Jorg Budgerite, the director of Necromantic, mm-hmm. is like that kid that makes the slurry of like Salisbury steak and mayonnaise and milk, and is yeah. like, "Don't you dare me to eat it!" Aren't I a nasty boy <laughs> for eating it? And you're like, "Don't! I didn't ask you to do this. Go away! Stop!" <laughs> 
And he's like, Aren't oh, I man. so crazy? I'll eat it for a dollar. I'm not going to give you a dollar. Okay, I'll just eat it. And you're like, oh, man. That's so crazy. That's so fucked up. I can't believe you would. That's so fucked up. I can't believe you would make me eat this. And everyone's like trying to make him stop. Yeah. Please, Uh, we're worried about you. Yeah, where with Midori, like. Feels like it's trying to be this piece of art. Yeah. And actually, and on like that level, I think think it succeeds because the art is genuinely fantastic like it's if the art were bad like if it were if if the movie were what it was but it were like ren and stimpy style bad on purpose art i think it would be utterly unwatchable but the art direction in this is genuinely fucking great yeah and and i think it's saying something about these tragic characters that we just want to watch every awful thing happened to and at the end of the movie we think oh good things are looking up for her and they don't and then she just gets sucked back into it it's that like sort of i think there is a nihilism to this movie there's a nihilism to a lot of the movies at the bottom of our list yeah but this is a nihilism that works in the way that the death of michael myers nihilism does not work (laughs) yeah agree now actually all right so um I'm looking at Actually, the list. Father's Day is another movie that ah. is woefully nihilistic, but doesn't stick the landing where Midori does stick the landing. I was also going to say Father's Day. That's all right. So which, hmm, I don't know. All right. So I'm, I'm going to pick, all right, I'm going to pick a different thing because my, my problem is I don't know if we should go toward like sort of middle of the list because of the art direction or like bottom of the list because Jesus Christ, Why? Okay, um, so let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. The movies in the bottom 20 are, mm-hmm. for the most part, irredeemably bad, a whole lot of nothing, and at the very bottom of the list, socially damaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, damaging in a way that it, I kind of... I don't know. Like, there are a lot of movies at the bottom of the list that I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but this is one that I'm, I actively, if somebody were like, hey, should I watch Midori? I would be like, don't do it, man. Like, it's, there's there's no joy to be had in the watching of this. And interestingly, I had a really good time watching it. Me too? God, what is it? Quarantine has microwaved our brains. I mostly, during the freakout scene was just, I, I re-watched it. Like, I, I had to go back and watch it again because I was so fucking entertained by what was happening to the human body during it. Also, there is a um, quadruple amputee in the um, sideshow, and one of Midori's punishments is she has to give him a bath. Man, it's just... It, it's just a lot. So, Jesus. So, all right, looking at the list... At number 431, we have uh, Harry Nilsson and Ringo Starr classic Son of Dracula at... Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Son of Dracula is at 431 with um, sort of... Both of these, I think, are comparable with, like, being pop culture oddities. Like, both of these are sort of, you know, redheaded stepchildren of the genre. We're like, nobody... You know, that if somebody brings up Midori or Son of Dracula, nobody's like, oh man, go back and watch it. It's great. It's everybody going... Oh, and like having to contend with the existence of it. Which, which do you think is better? I believe Midori because there is a sense of purpose, and it's mm-hmm. probably because it was a single 
auteur's work that created yeah. the whole thing. But yeah. it has, there are moments where Son of Dracula forgets what movie it is. <laughs> yeah, it kind of doesn't know what it's doing. Like, you can tell that by the end of the, the end of the movie that they were just, like, really pleased to have finished making a movie. Yeah. Um, but, all right, so looking up the list a little bit, which so, is, so Rob Zombie's 31 is at number 417. And Rob Zombie's 31 is also sort of um, shocking for the sake of shocking uh, does I? It's yeah. It's it's. I think Rob Zombie's second worst movie, aside from uh, Three from Hell. Yeah, but above that is Primica, which is, for all intents and purposes, a good movie, except hyper transphobic. Yeah, it's a fucking. It's about a ghost that haunts karaoke machines uh, in Thailand, and like that's great. And then it's weird transphobic joke for five minutes, and it's like. You really just took a shit in that punch bowl. Why did you have to do that? Um, so, I kind of want to unpack the um, the fire eater in Midori a little bit more. Oh yeah, please talk about that. What's all right? So, what's the deal? What with is that? happening? So, so yes, there is a scene where she reveals that she has a penis, mm-hmm. and then at the end, the sideshow has gone out of business because the magician is leaving because the entire town uh, had their brains melted by his um, hypnotic freak out. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I guess I just got to go to a different town now. So everyone in the freak show is like, what are we going to do? And at this point, the fire eater, she cuts all of her hair off with a razor and she waves goodbye to them and it presents as male um, mm-hmm. to them. It's like, no big deal. I was just doing this because people want to hire female fire eaters instead of male fire eaters. Right. So, again, is this in 1992 just taboo for the sake of taboo? Just like another part of Japan's weird, you know penis thing or is it trying to make some kind of actual statement on gender i feel like whatever statements on gender it is potentially making and i you know it definitely could be i think for the purposes of the movie it's kind of lost on me aside from just all right well one of the fucking abusive monsters in this movie also happens to be a trans woman yeah and and it's just kind of a throwaway weird little it's presented as more of like isn't that weird instead of like any kind of no one has characterization in this movie oh no does not have characterization in this movie definitely not but i I feel like the trans like the the fact that she's a trans woman i i feel like for 1992 i don't want to you know i want to give it the benefit of the doubt but i feel like it's just the fact that she's a trans woman is meant to be just one more shocking thing in the movie along with the abuse and the 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 body horror right Um, because then the art when when her genitals are revealed she then uh in a hallucination strangles midori with her penis yeah and so yeah to me i feel like this again i i hiroshi harada i don't think this is him being like hiroshi harada said trans rights i think this is him being shocking and also trans women um all right so here we go uh, looking up the list a little bit, or down the list, excuse me, I Frankenstein is at number 426 and features Aaron Eckhart and gargoyles and it's very, very bad. However, 
I kind of want to give the edge to I Frankenstein for at least being like, I don't know, not assaulting the senses for 45 minutes. Yeah, so so this is where I'm kind of troubled because I Frankenstein is frankly a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's just a real milk toast movie. No choices were actually made. Yeah. Uh, same reason why The Nun is so low on this list. It's like, I, we didn't do anything with this. Yeah, actually, okay, wait. I think I've got it. I think I know exactly where I'm at with it. I think that uh, Midori from 1992 is better than I, Frankenstein, but not as good as Death Laid an Egg at number 425. <laughs> with the mutant chicken nugget? Yeah, with the mutant chicken nugget, because at least, like, I I don't know, like, I, that... that, that that feels like the right spot for me between sort of, you know, there, there's there's nothing there, and also wait, what the fuck am I looking at? Where it, I feel like it it it, it could nestle between those things. And and another thing about Death Laid an Egg is, in terms of like technique, the cinematography and the costume design and everything is well done. It's oh sure. A I don't know what you're trying to do with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like and whatever. I think that's the thing about Midori is I do not know what it is trying to do. I like watching it. I'm sure if it's, it's almost like the author's gambit where it's like, we're just going to say it's a metaphor and just see <laughs> if anyone, pu- anyone pushes us on that or just yeah. kind of, accepts it blindly yeah just release whatever weird bullshit you want to do and then be like you just don't get it man and then you can you know release a thing like midori so yeah so i feel good about midori being our new number 426 out of 451 oh boy we've God watched damn. a lot of <sighs> we've i i've aged so many years in 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 in, in the last day um Ryan, so this tell me about lady vengeance so, Lady Vengeance, holy shit. So, it's streaming on Shutter right now. If you want to, go and watch it immediately. Um, it's made by the same guy who did Old Boy. And so, um, the guy who did Old Boy, it's, he has sort of a motif for all of his movies where it's just sort of like revenge and people who um, have either been imprisoned or wronged in some way and had their lives ruined by, by somebody else and then, like, them getting out of it and seeking revenge and trying to even the score with the people who did it to him. And so, um, listen, the main thing about this movie is that uh, the main character of it uh, wears red eyeshadow throughout the movie, and it's the most fucking iconic look. Like, as soon as she... Put, now, there's there's a recurring thing with red. All right. Actually, I should I should actually give a plot synopsis here. So, uh, there's... Uh, the, the main character uh, of the movie is... Uh, her, her name is uh, Gameja, and she is... Uh, imprisoned on suspicion of murdering a five-year-old child, and she's imprisoned for, like, 12 years. And when she finally gets out, um, she uh, has spent this entire time in prison. She's gained a reputation for being, like, super saint-like and super kind and super, you know, sort of helpful. And really, it's that she's been cultivating favors with people in, in prison, where she's just, like, you know, doing favors for people so that on the other side of this, when she gets out... She can call on them uh, to help her while she attempts to track down the guy that murdered the five-year-old and blackmailed her with the life of her daughter for taking the rap for the crime. Um, 
and so what you find out eventually is that the uh, the guy who did all, the guy who did all the killing, who was played by a Choi Min Sik, who plays the main character in Old Boy, and he's he was in I Saw the Devil as the murderer, um, and basically he just murders the shit out of kids, um, and she tracks him down. Like I'm 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 doing very sort of broad strokes with this. She tracks him down, and the parents of a bunch of the children that he has murdered. Um, she basically does it, does this by committee and goes, okay, so the guy that killed your children and made like videotapes of him murdering your children, we have him in the next room. Here are, here are all the videos that he took of himself murdering your children. Do y'all want to turn him over to the police and have them do whatever they're going to do with him? Or do you all want to torture the shit out of him one by one and then eventually kill him? And so she basically outsources the, 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 the vigilante justice thing. It's like if um, the parents in Springwood in A Nightmare on Elm Street had a fucking town hall meeting about it first. Um, and they, yeah, it's, it's fucking incredible. Like, this movie, it is so brutal in so many places, but also, like, I feel like the main thing that it's doing is um, pointing out that, like, you know, whatever catharsis you think you're going to get from Vengeance usually it's not going to help that much. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about the other movies of Park Chan-wook, especially Old Boy, mm-hmm. is that you watch these characters go through these entire, you know, entire revenge plots, and then it still doesn't fix anything at the end of it. Yeah, and I, I, and I think there's a bit of it where um, she... So... This movie goes on, I think, for about 20 minutes longer than it should, where sort of um, Mr. Bike, who is uh, the, the the killer of the movie, he dies um, with like 20 minutes left to go in the movie, and then we kind of just fiddle fuck around for 20 minutes, where uh, Genja is like sort of trying to uh, find catharsis after the death and kind of um, hallucinating the the child who died being, you know, an adult and dealing with sort of like, oh no, did I atone for everything? Like, and it's it's great, but it feels like dog paddling after the preceding like two hours. Now, how much of that can be that this is the third of a thematically linked trilogy? Yeah, I mean, I and I think that maybe at this point it's it's sort of variations on a theme where um, he is trying to explore like you know the nuances of revenge and of you know sort of uh, what seeking revenge does to a person and what it does to their personality and what it makes them become. Um, I now there are I I like I I don't know I love so many things about this movie and I think one of the main things for me is the the fact that. Uh, it's taking advantage of uh, so the the musical soundtrack. It's a lot of baroque music. Uh, it's a lot of sort of Paganini. It the recurring thing throughout this movie is Paganini's twenty fourth Caprice, which is uh, awful. Side note here: if I can cut a promo for a second, fuck Paganini. Paganini sucks. He although all right. So Paganini was a composer who, or I, I say composer. He was mostly a violinist who like wrote music sometimes but mostly it was just to show off that he could play violin real fast um and it's it's very very bad music but uh so it uses his 24th caprice sort of throughout and 
it, I don't know, like, it feels, I feel like it's shot so well that this movie could fucking suck, and I would still think that I just had an experience. Ryan, are you ready for our new segment on Rank and Vile? Yes, what's the, what's the segment? Okay, this segment is called, um plot keywords where i read <laughs> a plot keyword from the imdb page and you have to explain why someone like <laughs> why, why that one counts absolutely all right lay it on me cake um the oh 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 so there's cake because there's a birthday scene at the end that they're doing for all of the the murdered children where it's all of the parents, and uh, it's basically like the shawarma scene from Avengers, but it's all of the parents of the murdered children uh, having a sort of belated uh, b- birthday party in effigy, and there is cake. Also, uh, when she is in jail, she makes a fucking baller cake using very bad jail ingredients, which endears her to the chef and allows her to call in a favor from him later on. Okay. Uh, and this is the last one that I'm going to do because you've already mentioned a lot of them. Eyeshadow, that's an obvious one. Oh, sure, sure. Um, gag, ex-convict, we get those. <laughs> Nostalgic decoration. Yeah, maybe Korea was going through a fucking minimalist period in the retro times, like in the 80s or something. I could not tell you what the nostalgia was aside from... Uh, the events of the movie take place 12 years prior, and I guess it would have looked like what was happening in the late, n- or the, the, the early 90s, I guess? But not to the point where you're like, yes, the, ah, the early 90s of South Korea. Uh, it's, take listen, me it's, back. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's a real classic. I, now, there's so, so much about our new segment, um, plot keywords, <laughs> um, it may or may not show back up. I'm uh, mostly just boy. You know, everyone sure do, uh, sure does love when podcast hosts just read a commonly accessible <laughs> website. Now, the thing is, you say that um, I genuinely love it when um, there's a podcast called uh, "We Hate Movies" that talks about like they they do IMDb trivia and talk about it on the show, which I love bad IMDb trivia so much. <laughs> like, it's I hate really an art form. Yeah, yeah. I think my 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 favorite kind of bullshit uh, IMDb trivia is uh, when somebody is putting too much salt and pepper on it, and they're like, "The actor whomst was in the bus stop scene was none other than veteran actor John Saxon." Where it's like, "Can you just fucking say who it is, Jesus?" Like, do you have to, you know, have your pinky out while typing this? The people who go on IMDb to add bits of trivia, like. There's the, a guy in this movie who plays a character named Jack. He also plays another character named Jack in a different movie. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why Why am I... I although, why are, you, why are you doing this and why am I reading it? And the answer is because it's quarantine and I've lost control of my life. Okay, so let's look at our list and let's look at other Korean... Um, movies now three extremes is another park chan wook movie oh and it is rather high on the list wait park park chan wook did um dumplings i think right no he did the one with this guy on the spring that i can't remember the name oh with the the piano and the guy at the end who was a film director yeah, the one that's the the least good part of Three Extremes. Oh, excuse me, Fruit Fruit Chen did Dumpling. That's the yeah. 
Um, yeah. Now, that, honestly, hmm, I want to give the edge to Lady Vengeance. I think it's more coherent as a uh, as a thing. I think, especially as like a body of work with the the Vengeance movies, like this feels like a good conclusion to that trilogy. Okay, so at number ninety, we have another female revenge movie, female prisoner scorpion beast stable. Oh man, I love female prisoner scorpion beast stable. That movie, I feel like now, all right, I, I don't know if this is just because I'm a fucking bridge troll. I wanted more violence out of the movie Lady Vengeance. Like, I wanted, I don't know, like, I if, if it's a movie called Lady Vengeance and it's a fucking, you know, revenge movie, I... Now, okay, so there's a bit at the end where um, it's the, the killer of the movie who's tied up to a chair and all of these rich parents whose children are dead are, like, sort of wearing uh, Gallagher concert-esque, like, raincoats and going in one by one and, like, working him over with hammers and shit. I wanted to see him get the shit beat out of him with hammers and nails and boards and stuff. Um, I feel like this felt sedate in a way I was confused by. Now, a movie that is far from sedate is Audition at number 81. Goddamn. I'm giving the edge to Audition every time, I think. Like, Audition... I think it's just the right amount of upsetting and painful and gory. Um, I mean, like, Audition is one of my favorite movies, so, like, I, of course I'm going to give the edge to it, but I feel like it has a more... Co- I don't know, it feels tighter, right? Like, there's not that 20 minutes at the end where it's sort of fiddle-fucking around dealing with guilt. Okay, Ryan, uh, Friday Night Test, Ichi the Killer or Lady Vengeance? <laughs> Jesus, Mary and Joseph... I'm giving the edge to Lady Vengeance. Let's be honest. I'm not. I'm not on a Friday night going to be sitting down and hanging out and watching Ichi the Killer. Although the thing is that the Friday night test. Maybe we have to fucking update it because of the quarantine. I'm not getting a pizza now. There is no pizza. I am eating beans that we were kept keeping dried in the pantry and then adding water to. Um, like there's the, 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 the tombstone pizzas that time is long past, but also, uh, if we were living in better times, I would want to give the edge to Lady Vengeance. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important, uh, that we let this show be a relief, uh, for our listeners and pretend that the world is not going <laughs> terribly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to bring it back up. <laughs> I'm sort of like, yeah, you know what it is? You mentioned the Friday night test and then my brain was like, oh man, I miss pizza. And then, yeah, this is, we, we live in hell. So I wanted I to be... I just realized I'm wearing a Blockbuster video t-shirt right now and I just <laughs> had a cold chill in my spine that my son will have a pizza t-shirt is like remember pizza oh no that's yeah although honestly i would also wear a tombstone pizza t-shirt yeah i um, tombstone if you're we know you listen to us send us tombstone <laughs> we have made at least probably one person not including us buy a tombstone pizza in in preparation for watching a movie um right above each of the killer i am i'm actually this is where i'm gonna draw the line uh right above it at number 87 is killer clowns from outer space and i think that is a better movie than lady vengeance because i think that it um 
I think that it more sort of, it does the Roger Ebert thing of what is this movie trying to do and how well does it accomplish that? I think that it hits the mark stronger than Lady Vengeance hits the mark. On and the kind it's of got thing that, that killer um, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's got what, what the the clowns from outer space. No, it, it's also got yeah. what there's. Yeah, there's. Listen, there's an there's a carnivorous shadow puppet that eats people in Killer Clowns. Like I, I have to give the edge to it, but also I feel like it has clarity of purpose in the way that Lady Vengeance maybe is part of a trilogy, and that sort of makes it so that you have to have consumed. Uh, both Mr. Vengeance and um, Old Boy in order to kind of get the whole thing where Killer Clowns is just, you know, one and done. Yeah, anyone can watch Killer Clowns from outer space. And and, and they should. So yeah, so I feel good about... So at our new number uh, 88 is Lady Vengeance. Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? So we have a Patreon patreon.com slash rank and vile that's a place where you can listen to our bonus episodes if you want to know how doom is actually better (laughs) than child's play that's your place to go um and uh just a quick housekeeping note with that um because of the quarantine um the subscription boxes are on pause until uh my state's governor says it's safe to go to the post office again so yeah um, if anyone needs to edit their pledge and also because people are not working we totally get it if you need to edit your pledge but if you've got some extra money or you get that uh baller uh check from the government uh that the amount of times i've been walking around saying once i get my government check (laughs) i'm gonna get you've got to pronounce it government like it's got yeah, a yeah, it's a very yeah, it's a very U A H H H pronunciation. Uh, but yeah, uh, things like your donations help us pay hosting costs. Uh, my headphones broke the other day, uh, so it's replacing my headphones uh, and, and helping us with all of that. The we are also hell. on a bevy of social medias. If there's a social media that you like, uh, we're probably on it. Um, we have a TikTok, although we don't post. Um, we have an Instagram, which I'm a lot more active on. We have a Twitter, which we're a lot more active on. Um, just Rank and Vile or Rank and Vile Cast is the username on almost every social media. We have a Tumblr still, <laughs> so you know, yeah. reblog us, please. We're out here, and also I want to take this opportunity and uh, ask, like, hey. Uh, if this is a podcast that, you know, you enjoy and it brings any amount of uh, happiness into your life or, you know, it's, it's a thing that you like to listen to sometimes, um, consider, if you have not already, uh, going on iTunes and rating and reviewing. Um, it helps us out a lot. It helps uh, sort of boost our ability to, to get the show out there and um, kind of expand. Um, if you uh, would want to do that, we would appreciate it enormously. But uh, yeah. barring that... And- oh, beyond just like the actual five star reviews even like if your app has a little thumbs up or a subscribe button or any way to share it on social media or if you just want to tell a person like hey this is what's been helping me lately or i find this funny anything like that is super helpful to us and you guys are amazing to yeah so we, we love you guys thank you for thank you for all the support um but yeah. barring that that is about all i got you got anything else That's all I've got, too. Stay safe, y'all. Later, folks.